welcome to Finding Me. I'm Annette and my co-host, Mark. We are so excited to be here. Hey, everyone. It's good to be here with you today as well. We were talking this week about uh, something that's really important, weren't we? we? We have been. And more than just this week, it's been a philosophy that has been, we've been going over and over and over and kind of just redefining so many things about life. And in this world that we that we live in today, it's so easy to get lost in the noise. You know, we're constantly told who to be or what we want to be. And from, from others, from others, you know, we're not telling ourselves what we seek to be, but uh, others are telling us what we should be. Exactly. And, and we kind of are lost. You know, I'm, I'm hearing all over the place, whether it's on social media or, or other different um, venues and friends and, and different things, but they feel lost. You know, the idea of authenticity is something that uh, we sometimes forget about. We see what we perceive to be perfect people on, on social media. And because of that, we feel like we have to be that person. And uh, soon we realize that we can't become that person, nor should we try to become that person. It's not possible to be perfect. And Mark and I like the phrase of being perfectly imperfect. And it's something that we are striving to to share this message of hope. But it is possible to be authentic. And, and that's what our podcast today is going to really focus on, is uh, being our best authentic self, realizing that uh, we can't be somebody else. Exactly. You know, friends, what if you could find your true self? Now, just think about that for a minute. How many of us have had experiences in life that have caused us to lose sight of, of who we were and, and become confused? And I think that you'll find that there are so many of us who have experiences in life that, that cause us to, you know, get off balance and and we're living and striving to find this life of peace and happiness and to heal. And it's it's become something that's more difficult. But like you were saying, Mark, the key to this and finding who we truly are, finding ourselves, our true selves, is that authenticity. One of the myths in life that we tell ourselves is that uh, experience is what defines us. Now, experience is an important thing in our lives. Mm -hmm. And uh, while experience in and of itself might define a situation in our life, what really defines us is how we act and how we react to those kinds of situations. Exactly. Those situations, those experiences in life help us to become to become a better me, to become who, who we tru- are, truly want to be our clo- and closer to our true authentic self if we allow those experiences to teach us. How many times, Annette, have we talked in the last 11 years since we lost our 21-year-old son to the effects of a brain tumor? How many times have we talked in the last 
11 years about people who have had two paths that they could follow and they've chosen one or the other. The one path is a path of healing. Mm -hmm. It's a path of uh, happiness that comes after a lot of struggle, after a lot of uh, frustration, or have we gone down that road that can sometimes be easier just to keep the status quo? Keep the status quo, just go spinning down, whether or not we want to um, be accountable for those that choice that we made down that road and that path, and or whether we we want to to learn as hard as it can be, and and to become. And you know, I, I I'm looking here at a sticky note on on my computer screen, and it says, come back to the foundation of I am. And, you know, I don't, I, I have it here to remind me, but it's also interesting how often it just kind of, it's there, but I, I don't focus on it. But who are we? Well, the, well, that's a loaded question. <laughs> but before we answer that, you, you said something, there's a word that you used a minute ago that I thought was uh, really important. And it's a word that uh, sometimes has different meanings. You use the word accountable. Mm-hmm. Who exactly are we accountable to, Annette? Ourselves. Yeah. You know, I think that too often we try to be accountable to, to the uh, ideas and uh, the persuasions that others tell us who and what we should be and what we should become. And so you ask a great question, who are we? Mm-hmm. And the simple answer to that question is we, we are who we are. And I should probably explain that. Please. <laughs> <laughs> we, we are not someone else. We are not uh, what our parents want us to necessarily become. We are not what our spouse necessarily wants us to become, but we are who we are. And who we are is made up of so much of our experiences. It's made so much of our thoughts, our perceptions. It's who we are as a product of all of the experiences and all of the thoughts that we have. And sometimes when we ask ourselves who we are, sometimes we have to really go back. We have to think a little bit about uh, what we are and, and who we purport ourselves to be. And sometimes we have to do some course correction. And I like that word course correction because it, it doesn't mean we're in trouble. You know, it means that we just, we're just going to do a little course correction and we're going to take these experiences in life and learn from them. When you're talking about, we are who we are, and we come that way, you know, I, I thought back to when our children were young. And it's so interesting how each one of them came to this earth, came into our family with very, very strong, distinct personalities. Yeah. You know, it was, they, it, came, it they came that way. It wasn't a one size fits all, that's for sure. It wasn't. And so if I go back to that foundation of seeing our children as as little ones and how they came that way, and then I look, you know, today and I put that and I reflect on that with this topic of who are we and finding who we are, it's, it's interesting because deep down there's core things that are innate to each one of us. 
Now, maybe we should take a step back for a second and uh, recognize that uh, we can become what we want to become. Mm -hmm. We can look at the attributes of others, and I hope that we do that sometimes. So we look at those who we admire, those who have accomplished something that we feel like perhaps we can accomplish as well. But what we can't do is we can't try to become that person. What we can do is instill some of those ideals that that person has and sometimes that comes with a lot of work. Sometimes, sometimes that comes with a lot of pain. But we can strive to become better than who we maybe are right now. We, we can. And I am so grateful for that. You know, I, I am a people watcher. If those of you who have listened to our previous podcasts, we've talked about watching and, and learning from others. And and wanting to take some of those great attributes in others that we see and, and apply them in our lives. And we can do that. And we can focus on that. But it's all, it will never look exactly the same because it's coming back to our core and it's refined in us and, and it, it's molded and shaped into our own individual personalities and, and style. Here's, here's a thought in that, you know, as we talk about who we want to become and sometimes who we emulate, we're not talking about one particular area. In other words, I, you know, it'd be nice to sit down and say, I, I want to be a millionaire. <laughs> and, and that's, and that's who we suddenly become is we, we become money centered, money oriented, but we can look at others as well and uh, look at, how they dealt with specific situations in their life. And that's kind of the road that we're going to be going down today as to how others have dealt with situations and how we can deal with situations as well. I, for example, and I, I look at my brother and my sister. Both of them have lost children uh, in their lives. And before we lost our son, Reed, I looked at them with great admiration because of how they handled themselves and what they were able to become because of what happened in their life. Right. And I didn't have the privilege of being a part of the family when, when your sister lost her three-year-old daughter to appendicitis. But I was in the family when our brother and sister-in-law, um, when their son became ill. And I remember a thought coming to me so strongly that I needed to watch them, that I needed to see how they handled the different experiences and the things that they were going through. I didn't know that I was going to be going through that just a few short years later. But because of their example to me, I learned a lot. And we take examples from, from a lot of people in life, don't we? Do. we? And uh, the examples that we take can sometimes be the opposite of maybe what we want to be as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, those those times are difficult times because we see how maybe one choice that could have been done differently made all the difference in the world with someone. And and so in that we're talking about uh, bad things sometimes that happen to good people. We, we talk about uh, premature death. We talk about losing jobs. We, we talk about so many different avenues and chapters in our life that are less than ideal. One of the reasons 
that we are talking today about uh, why bad things happen to good people. And why this is such an important topic is because our Finding Me app was created with one goal in mind, wasn't it, Ed? It was. It, it was created completely with the thought of, of how do we become our true self, our authentic self? How do we take these experiences in life and allow them to help us to become who we truly are? I think we lose sight of who we are at times. And especially um, when we have experiences that stretch us, that take us to our knees, um, these things can cause us to lose, lose sight maybe of, of who we are. Just for example, in our, in our life, when our, our, you know, we have four children and I was a stay at home mom and I, we always had a, a, a business that, that we ran, that we did together as a family that, um, you know, along with Mark's employment and, and then our children grew and they started going to college and, and it was fun to see that development. But, you know, for years I was also a caregiver in, in the fact that our son Reed had this brain tumor. And so we were trying to manage the pain, manage the symptoms, manage, you know, all these things that were ever changing. And there was really no solution to the core problem. And when he passed away, and then our youngest son, just a few months later, left to go to college, I found myself home alone. And, and Mark had started traveling again with work, and here I was, and I didn't know who I was. I didn't know, I didn't know my role anymore. I didn't know, you know, I was a mom. I was a caregiver. I was still a mom, but it's different when your children leave home. And, and they're adults, and you're still trying to, to mentor and, and to teach, but it's different. You step back. But that main role of being a caregiver was gone, and it took me, honestly, a few years of healing and, and going through some hard things to get to the point that I could recognize who my true self was. We're going to be learning a lot about uh, healing and recognizing that uh, healing takes place different ways to different people. But one of the things that we don't want to do is create a sense of guilt that maybe you should be feeling this way or you should be feeling you should be feeling better after six months because it's been six months. But we we've recognized and we've realized over time that there is no timeline associated with grief. There's no timeline associated with pain. And, you know, often we feel like our life spins out of control. We feel like uh, we are in a position where we thought we had it all together, but in reality, we, we didn't. And so when I talk about not putting any blame to this, I, you know, we're, we're very serious about that because we find ourselves kicking ourselves too often because we feel like we should be feeling differently. That shame won't do you any good. I was there. And we talk from personal experience. We talk from our journey of healing and understanding. Ours, when, one of the interesting things that we have learned is that the tools, the resources, the, the skill set in this journey are all the same. 
whether we lose sight of who we are because we've we've lost a job or our health has taken a turn for the worse and we've been diagnosed with with you know a, a life-changing diagnosis with our health a divorce a death of a child a death of a spouse there are so many things abuse there's just so many things that can cause us to lose sight of that foundation of our true self but the resources, the tools, the skill set, the healing is all the same. And I'm glad you brought up the idea of tools because finding me is all about tools. It's about putting together ideas because we're not here to tell you what is tragic and what is not tragic. You're going to have tragedies in your life that might be looked at differently by one person versus another. But the ideas that we're going to share with you in our podcast going forward, as well as in our podcast today, is not only how we can help ourselves, but how we can be that support for others as well. And we're going to talk about both of those areas today. But Annette, let's start with, with going into that whole idea of why bad things happen to good people. I it, it's, it's something that we sometimes wonder why someone has to go through the processes of life that they have to go through. And, and it's, it's a question that I think we ask ourselves all the time. We do. And, and it's an answer that I've, I've come through experience to, to find an answer for my own, but I don't want to really jump to that answer off the beginning, but, you know, we, in church, we, we learned of Job and Job of the Old Testament, and Job who had everything, and all the riches, and, and the wife, and children, and so many things, and it was all taken away. And all those physical things, the riches, and the wealth, and the things were gone. Even his own family. Even his own family. Job was a good man, and but why? And in the end, Job learned. He became someone who God wanted him to become. Imagine, and, and you know, this doesn't, it's not a matter of what you believe in religiously, but the story of Job is a universal type of a story. And imagine, if you would, getting a knock at the door. Hey, all of your uh, all of your uh, flock has been lost to a whirlwind. I can't remember the story exactly, but uh, a knock comes on the door 15 minutes later. Hey, your family has been lost in a storm. And you keep on getting these knocks on the door and you wonder how much more of this can I deal with and how much of this can I can I learn from? And and I, and I think that uh, very often, boy, it's all we can do just to live. Just to survive. It is. I remember many a time I wanted to call uncle and say. Where's the white flag? Where's the white flag? God, I can't handle anymore right now. And, and then feeling his love for me and his embrace and being able to, to be strengthened. And then, you know, maybe I would receive this reprieve, whether it was my health or different things. And I always felt it was a time to be strengthened, to, to fill my bucket again. 
And but I I knew deep down that there was going to be other Job-like experiences. So before we talk about how we can help others, let's talk about some self-help. Okay. Let's talk about uh, some of the ideas that uh, when those Job-type experiences happen to us, that we can not just survive, but to thrive. Mm-hmm. Anything come to mind, Annette? Well, first, accept it. For me, I tried for so long to push things down. I didn't really want to feel what I was feeling because it was hard. But the reality was that those feelings actually helped me to go through the process of the journey. Sometimes we we say to ourselves, this just isn't happening right now. I mean, how many times have you heard that uh, before? This thing is just not happening right now. But once we accept that it is happening, that's when, and and I really appreciate what you said, Annette, is that sometimes we look at feelings as being detrimental. But feelings really are good. They're good. And, And we should experience feelings. Regardless of the kinds of feelings that we have, feelings can heal our emotions. And our emotions allow us to become who we truly want to become. Exactly. And it's something that to be our authentic self, our true self, we have to feel. So when we when we feel what's happening around us and we realize that this truly is happening, there are tools that we can look at. There are there are ideas. And the first thing after acknowledging these these uh, things that are truly happening to us is not necessarily to accept, but to learn how to, to feel, to learn how to recognize that, okay, it's okay if I cry. It's okay if I'm sad. What we don't want to do is put ourselves into a pattern where it becomes a 24-7 event. It's okay to get angry, but it, just like Mark said, we can't stay there. Allow yourself to feel it and then let it go. I, I remember something that you experienced in a long time ago. It was something that that uh, we we found ourselves in. Uh, it was just a random thought by someone who was talking to you. I believe it was at the store or, or somewhere where six months after we had lost our son, someone asked you a very interesting question. They asked you, Annette, are you over Reed's death yet? And you had a great answer, something that I'll never forget. What did you tell this person? I think I said, I'll never be over it. Yeah. You know, that's something you you never are over. But I'm. But it know. comes, but it comes back from growing from our experience. It's growing from our experiences. And am I in the same level of grief that I had? No. Uh, Can I be happy? Yes. And can I have joy in my life? Can I talk of our son? I mean, there's so much involved in this, but there is life after, after death of, I mean, in, in our life, in how we can go on and be happy. The reason why I brought that up in it is because very often, whether it's death or anything else in life, we find that uh, we, we we try to be over something quickly. And because of that, very often we don't heal appropriately. We, we don't heal to a point where that uh, 
frustration, that terrible tragedy in life can certainly and 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 opportunistically be a blessing later in life. Has so so this is an interesting question, and it's it is a question that might be difficult to hear, but I'm gonna ask it nonetheless. Are we, are you a better person today because of the experiences you've had in losing a child? Completely. Am I a better person today because of losing a job so many years ago after the first house payment that we had made on our brand new home that we had built? Am I a better person? Yes. We, we learned through those experiences. And will I ever be over that? No, nor do we want to become over those types of experiences in our life because they help us to grow. They help us to become better or they can help us to become bitter. bitter. But I think if, Again, the key goes back to feeling. If we force ourselves to push those emotions down, you can't become better. You can't grow from those experiences. So, so let me ask you, Annette, what are some of the, well, we know the experience. 11 years ago, we lost our son. What has happened since then that has helped you become better? Oh, wow. A lot of looking within and, uh, you know, finding me, the, the tagline is a journey within because it truly is a journey within. It's not an easy journey, but I, I had a desire to learn and to find myself again. I, I felt lost. I'd look in the mirror and I didn't really know who who I was, but I wanted to be happy. I wanted, I had, I, we had three incredible children and, and, and two bonus children and grandchildren. And, and I wanted to be present for them. I didn't want to be numb. And so I went through this journey and, and I, and I don't say that lightly because it's taken years, but it wasn't until I was willing to look and feel at those things within. I like how you answered the question, Annette, because in reality, as we look at as we look at the whole idea of finding me, we can provide you with lots of tools, and we're going to provide you with lots of tools. But what happens next is what you decide that you are going to build within yourself. How am I going to build upon this experience for the good and not for the bad? Now, again, we recognize that there are terrible experiences that happen. And sometimes we have a really difficult time trying to find the good in all of this. But we can find the acceptance in all of this. We can find how we can not only become stronger, but have the ability to help others as well. And I look at you, Annette, for example, and I have a lot of admiration in what you have learned over the years as we have dealt with this tragedy in our life. Thank you. And with you. And, and friends, it's, it was interest, it's interesting to note that we grieved differently. We healed differently. And, and it looked different. And... I thought he was maybe, you know, just shoving things down and ignoring things. He thought I was doing things a little strange because it wasn't the same. Ultimately, the tool was the same. The resource was the same. It was the timing in the process. 
in the different grief and different stages of grief and things and how they looked in our individual lives. So this is something for you to go within and, and, and to learn and to trust in the process. So some of the tools that we talk about and some of the tools that uh, are important for you is being able to build that emotional resilience within your life, being able to build within yourself that foundation. The foundation can sometimes be a little bit shaky. And we know what happens when you've got a shaky foundation. The house isn't very secure that it sits upon. And so one of the basic premises and one of the basic importance of tools that we talk about is the importance of having a sure foundation, recognizing that that foundation is made up of truth. It's not made up of lies. It's not made up of trying to push things under the rug. It's made up of strength. It's made up of wisdom. It's made up of being able to to find that resilience that all of us have, but sometimes are a little bit dormant. Exactly, because it's it's back to that foundation, the foundation of I am and and who who you are, your identity as you you were born. You know, go back to the example of our children. You think back to the example of of your children or your nieces and nephews, and what do you see? They might look alike. They might be, you know, carbon copy of each other. But their personalities, their innate gifts are very different. So let's pivot for a minute. Mm-hmm. And as we're talking about, about providing strength, not only to ourselves, but also to those that we love and those that are around us, we each have opportunities to strengthen those around us. There is a age-long lie that we have the ability to help other people. Now, we, we do. When I, when I say lie, I'm talking about we have the ability, we think sometimes to change someone, not to help or them. Or to fix them. Or to fix them. And there, there are specific myths that uh, we, could, we could easily spend all of our time talking about. But, uh, but five of those myths really are very, very simple. Number one is that I'm 100% responsible for fixing somebody else. You're not. We, we can't do that. Number two is I should be the expert in solving everyone else's problems. How many times do we try to do that? It's a natural thing that we want to fix everybody's problems and be that expert. But it's it goes back to that accountability we talked about earlier. You know, number three, our, our culture is instant gratification. And we try to not only fix problems, but we try to fix problems as quickly as possible. We have to recognize that some of the problems that we're dealing with and some of the emotions that we're dealing with are not quick fixes. You know, one of the things that I've learned when you talk about quick fixes and I wanted I wanted this timetable, my timetable, my timetable of healing and being and the fixes. In reality, it's it's like an onion. And when you peel an onion, there's different layers and there's in the healing process you, it's a layer at a time. And the more you peel, the more you cry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that was good. And and so we, we have to recognize that uh, we don't all heal the same way. And we need to be patient with those around us. 
the fourth myth I think that sometimes we tell ourselves is that uh, because I don't know the right thing to say, maybe I just shouldn't say anything. Did that help you, Annette, dealing with uh, some of the struggles that uh, you were personally dealing with? Not at all. I needed I needed to have that connection of those that I knew loved me. I didn't want them to fix it, but I just needed them there. But there's a bit of a conundrum with that as well. And that conundrum is, is that uh, without being silent, we have to say the right things. And we're going to talk about that in just, a, in just a second here. But number five, when it comes to myths, sometimes we tell ourselves is that, is that uh, if, if I help at all, they'll always be dependent on me. And help, help is important. We can give help, but we don't become everything to everybody, nor should we, nor do we want to become, because it is totally encapsulating in our lives. It's, it becomes something that uh, if we're not careful, that person comes to us with everything. We don't want them dependent upon us, yeah. but we do want them to know we care. Right. So let's just spend a minute, Annette, talking about some of the proper responses that we could have with other people. When you shared your story uh, a few minutes ago about uh, are you overreached death with, that was an example of an inappropriate or a very non-helpful response to someone that obviously meant very well, but didn't know how to uh, to say it right. They didn't know how to say it right. And the reality, it was probably the worst I had been. How many times did you hear? Well, at least you still have three children. Again, that, that was the wrong. That was the wrong thing to say. It was, but what would be? I'm sorry to interrupt you there. You know, for me, really, you know, the right thing to do and the right thing to ask or or to say that is just, I want you to know we're thinking of you, or yeah. I want you to know I'm praying for you. Those were things that. I appreciated because there was strength in it and that I knew that it was coming from a position of, of love and, and caring. Someone told me after uh, Reed had passed away, he said, I can't even begin to imagine what you're going through right now. And he couldn't, even if he had lost a child of his own, he couldn't imagine what we were going through. And he went on to say, he says, you know, I'm happy to listen anytime you would like to talk, anytime you would like to sit down. I'm really glad that you're telling me about this. And I'm here. And sometimes, you know, sometimes just listening can be the very best experience we have during difficult times. It, it is the very best experience. And, and so whether it's listening or just, you know, sitting with and and those were the times of of great healing and an appreciation. Did you ever hear anyone say, "Well, let me give you some advice. This is what you need to know." Oh, those those comments hurt so bad when people would say something like that because that was the last thing that we were looking for was advice from somebody else. It was, but let's let's take a little spin on this. Everybody hasn't lost a child. But what if they lost a job? What if they were losing their home because they couldn't they couldn't, you know, make the mortgage anymore? Would the same wouldn't the same idea be the be what our approach would be? Exactly. You know, it, it wouldn't be, hey, I know exactly how you feel. 
Because they don't, because they're not in my situation. Exactly. And so, and that's just a prime example. I can't go up to somebody who's going through a divorce and say, I know exactly what you're going through. I can say, I just want you to know I really care about you and have been praying for you. And and I just want you to know I love you. So don't try to fix. So don't try to fix. That's when we get in trouble. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> when we try to fix somebody else, if I if I see that Annette is doing something that I don't like, I've learned over 38 years of marriage that, that the last thing I'm going to try to do is try to fix that behavior. And you've learned the same thing about me. Because what did I do? I dug in my heels. If you tried to fix it or whatever, I didn't want to hear. And I would just, you know, I dig in and just, I, all I wanted him to do was just to care and listen if I had a problem, not fix it. So we should probably take this back to its origin as to where we started this, as to why bad things happen to good people. And as I consider that question and you ask me, who am I? I become from, as I'm listening to you talking, I become a sum total of my experiences and that sum total becomes a product of my decisions that I make. And that's who I am, is I become who I am because of the decisions that I've made from the experiences that I've had. I love that. And, and for me, you know, those, those I, don't, I hate calling them bad things, but those experiences that are, that are hard, that that like I said before, take us to our knees and we don't know what to do or we've never experienced this before. They helped me truly find my true self and 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 I feel like I'm still becoming because the more I learn about me, there's more for me to do or progress. And there's more on this journey of, of becoming. And the things that are hard, I have recognized are the things that have brought the most growth. So let's explore that for a second, Annette. Uh, when, when we talk about uh, the growth that comes from us, growth comes from decisions. Growth comes from our ability to really change Change is necessary sometimes. Change is necessary. And and it's, it's not always fun is what it, I'm saying. It's not always fun. And, but, but at the same time, we're going to introduce to you another tool as we finish our, our, uh, our lesson here today, our podcast. And the, the tool is very old school. And, and uh, all of you have probably done this before as you've had to make important decisions in your life. It's getting out the piece of paper and it's using the T-chart. How many times have you used a T-chart in your life? It's probably been sometimes. It's probably been, again, in times when I had to make a decision. And on that T-chart, what we would ask you to do is to consider your current situation. So, for example, Annette, can we use our experience mm -hmm. in losing Reed? So, again, whether it's losing a job, whether it's uh, losing our identity sometimes, whether it's losing friends, or in our case, losing a child. So we put that T-chart down. On the left side of that T-chart, we're going to talk about uh, living life in the status quo. 
what happens if I continue to live life this way? And on the right side, we're going to put what would I hope to become as a result and as a product of this experience? So we're not going to spend a lot of time, but let's just talk about what are some of the options that we have to keep the status quo? You know, this isn't an exact answer to your question, but my thought is the power of healing comes in the reflection. Which is part of who do I want to become is, is from this? Is part of who I want to become this. So living in the status quo is I'm not really happy. We we lose passion for the things that we love the most. We do. We lose passion for our, our activities, for our hobbies. And the next thing we know, we're sitting in the basement in the dark, having a wonderful pity party that uh, we really have not invited anybody else to. To join us in the fun. So what do you want? Where do you want to be in your life? But but before we get into that, okay. let's just let's just keep on that course for a minute. Okay, we're on the other side. So Sorry. so as we as we continue on that course of what does the status quo mean? It means that I'm going to be sad. It means that I'm not going to enjoy activities. It means that I'm probably going to isolate myself from other people that are meaningful and that could probably help me. It means that I'm going to become very depressed. So if I'm you lonely. find if you find yourself in this model or in this mode right now, consider what the right side of that might look like. So go on, Annette. You you started sharing something of what that right side might look like. So the right right side for me looks like happiness. It looks like peace. It looks like growth. It looks like relationships. But even that is kind of the end result. Let's talk about what we can actually do to, to get away from the status quo. It looks like times of reflection. It looks like journey, going through this journey and being willing to feel. It also looks like talking to someone, mm -hmm. whether it's professionally or whether you surround yourself with friends or family and open yourself. Remember, we started talking about uh, the importance of authenticity. It's difficult to be on authentic if we cannot authentic. Is that the right word? It's be authentic. If it's it's important. It's difficult to be authentic if we can't be authentic with ourselves and share with others what we're truly feeling. We're looking for the truth, your true self, your best self. That is where the noise dissipates. The chatter in our head it dissipates. So what we've learned as well, you and I together, is that service is important. Service is, is something that uh, takes us out of that funk mm -hmm. more often than not. So we could continue down that line of all of the things that should be on the right side of your piece of paper here. But the key is, is that you recognize where you're at. And the key is, is that you recognize where you need to go in order to enjoy some of those those words that you used a minute ago, Annette. The words in after, and they are, they're words that's, it's, it's after, it's being down this journey, this road a little ways is where you find that peace and that happiness and that contentment. I had a friend yesterday text me and she asked me, 
She goes, how are you doing this week? And my response was, I'm enjoying this phase of life. I'm enjoying this peace. And I also said, and I'm enjoying, you know, the fun of, of finding me and, and working on this piece. Is it a challenge? Yes. But it's also a, something that's providing growth and happiness as a way that I can help others on their journey. So our invitation to each of you today is to spend the week trying to find the courage not trying. We don't want you to try. We want you to do it. We want you to find the courage to be you. And as you find that courage, you're going to find that uh, having that courage to be able to make decisions and begin to act on some of what is on the right side of that uh, page is going to be much easier. You're not going to be giving yourself escape clauses every time you say, maybe I should be doing this. Well, I should, but I don't want to. It's too hard. I'm too tired. I, I don't feel good. Those are the self-defeating behaviors that we often give ourselves because we don't want to feel any differently because we think that maybe it's going to be too hard. It's a cop out. So friends, thank you for joining us. We appreciate and recognize the time that you've spent with us, and we hope that you found it valuable. And we hope that you can have and find that courage to be you, to be your true self. Um, this episode's been brought to you by the Finding Me app, and we hope that you'll download it today and, and be active in our community there and recognize that there are many more lessons and tools and resources available to you. And with that, we hope you have a wonderful week and we look forward to uh, being with you again. Take care.